listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A king follows. Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slime and Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Yanez and I've covered UH Athletics now for three seasons officially three seasons after covering UH Texas Tech this past Saturday at NRG Stadium. You can find me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. Also be sure to check out my work for Community Impact newspaper covering Pearland, Friendswood, and like I said here, Apollo Media covering UH Athletics. Got another jam-packed show for you today. On Dayon, I'll let you take it away. Introduce yourself. What it do? What it do? I'm Dayon Dunlap. You can follow me at Dayon Dunlap on Twitter. That's D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. Also, be sure to follow official Apollo Media account. That's at Apollo H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll greatly appreciate it. And Dayon, like I mentioned today, we got another jam-packed show because, you know, we're going we're gonna to discuss a little bit still on – you know, the takeaways that we saw that the players saw against Texas Tech, they had, had the opportunity to meet with reporters during the week. And also we'll be looking ahead at Rice. We'll talk a little bit about the defense, the offense, and break down a little bit of the upcoming matchup with the Owls. But we'll start on the defensive side of the ball. And Dayon, you were there at the availability on Tuesday where the DC for UH, Doug Belk, talk about not only the upcoming match with Rice, but he talked about the previous game against Texas Tech. Dayon, what were your main takeaways from his availability on Tuesday? Well, some of my main takeaways were just how honest he was. And really, my main takeaway was talking from Donovan Mutant, how he just raved about Doug Belk and his ability to take off the coach hat and relate to players. And when you have that personal relationship with players, actually um, have a bond with you, they mean they'll run through a wall for you on the field. And so that was some of the main things that stuck out to me. But I like what I'm hearing from Doug Bell. Um, he talked a lot about the defense and how they can get better and their mentality. And so I'm excited to see this defense continue to get better. Yeah, you mentioned uh... – Donovan Mutant talking about Duck Belt. He called him a real dude. He said, I mean, there, there'll be instances where he might be one of the last few players in the building. Doug Belk might be in a meeting and he'll knock on his door and Belk will leave the meeting just to spend hours speaking on not just Mutant, but whatever player that, that needs him. He, like you mentioned, he was able to separate that coaching hat from just being a real person and just getting to know not only his players, but have a, a personal person, uh, a person, a person connection that sometimes honestly gets missed out a lot of these days, but, you know, jumping back into game specifics and, you know, before we talk anything a little bit uh, specific about Rice, I wanted to go back about the game on last Saturday against Texas Tech. Doug Belk said that a couple of takeaways, he saw that he his defense played really hard. They played good defense for most of the game, the way he described it, for about 51 out of the 57 plays they allowed 
they were perfect defense, but on those six plays, they allowed explosive ones that came back to bite them against Texas Tech. Dayon, what were your takeaways from that comment? Yeah, that was the truth. I mean, the defense played well, pretty good enough to uh, to win the game for sure. And so those six explosive plays were really the difference. And he talked about having um, mental toughness, mental focus to finish out games. And so, I mean, you got to pay a full a full, a full quarters to win it. And so I like that. And this bodes well to the leadership. Starts up top with the coaches. And being players like Donovan Mutant, and I'm just loving what I'm hearing from across the board with the defense and really like what I've seen. Yeah, you mentioned of those six plays where they gave up explosive plays. There were many different factors that, that led to those jump plays for Texas Tech. Some of them were missed t- tackles. Honestly, some of them were just Texas Tech players. We mentioned EZ, the receiver for Texas Tech, making that huge play on on the drive that ended up opening up the game when UH was still only down by a field goal against Marcus Jones. One of the key missed tackles that stood out to me was when I believe it was the safety Owens missed that tackle one-on-one in Mm -hmm. an open field with Shook and he was able to score. And that kind of was the momentum gave Texas tech offense the momentum that they can move the ball. Yeah, and even explosive runs, not only they let Xavier White, the Texas Tech running back, gash him with a couple of deep runs. But, you know, speaking of the defense, we're going to play a soundbite here from Donovan Newton talking about, you know, the blame goes around on the entire defense. And he took some responsibility for some of the lapses on defense. Once again, this is Donovan Newton from the University of Houston defense. I mean, well, Miss Tackles, you're talking to a guy who missed two or three himself, and I, they're still eating at me. I don't, I, I don't do that. And so, you know, as a defense individually, we, I missed them. As a defense, we missed them. And so we, we just can't put that on tape and think it's going to go away. Teams watch the same thing when they come in on Sunday and they cut the tape on. They're going to see the same thing that we see, and other teams are going to see. So, if if we're a team that doesn't tackle well, they're <laughs> They're in their meeting room and they're circling on, on on the film and they're getting excited oh, about this. So, you know, we got to just go to practice and improve on it. It's, it's just like anything else. You know, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes focus. But we can get better in it. And we did today. And we got to keep just taking steps in that direction, you know, not leaving our feet, not relying on arm tackles, bringing our feet, taking one more step, stepping on his toes, running through tackles, better angles, all those kind of things. You know what I heard? What makes me think hearing that? It's no wonder he's a captain but accountability Mm -hmm. when your captain is holding himself accountable to a high standard like that, your defense can only follow his lead and and play to that standard and hold themselves to the same standard. What what were your thoughts here? um, Donovan Moon had to say. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And I I liked how that, that was one of the first things he started with. I mean, the question was about missed tackles in general. And the first thing he brought up, he didn't mention the defense as a whole. He brought up his own personal play where he felt he missed a couple of tackles. And then right there, he's like, it's still eating at me. And it's something that they've tried to work on throughout the entire week leading up to Rice. He said, we got better on Tuesday that they had a practice, but even just then, um, you know, you, I, I think it was you that asked him um, some of the positive takeaways from the defense. And he said, you know, they showed that we can play hard that we're a physical bunch, but 
he still wasn't satisfied. He said that the, what what they put on film on Saturday against Texas Tech is not their standard. They there's a lot another level they can reach, and I mean, there from what, those clips, it, it sounds like not only mutant but that defense is hungry to not only play better than they did on Saturday, but honestly make a lot of plays. They're 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 really geared up for this upcoming game against Rice. For sure, and they should be. And defensive lineman Cedric Williams actually said this is a must win. Mm-hmm. He said it's a must win, not only because are you playing for a trophy, which is always fun. He just talked about the importance of getting off to a good start, not losing the first two games and just where that can kind of um, be a low point for the entire season. So he called it a must win. and I, I love what I'm hearing from the entire defense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking on that, Staying with the defensive line, I know Doug Belk early in his availability mentioned that the game plan for Rice is to play a lot more players at DL. He mentioned uh, having about a 10-man rotation. He said he was only able to play eight against Texas Tech. And that's right. something that because of the up-tempo style that the Red Raiders were playing, it didn't allow UH to put a lot of the, the other two that they're looking at putting in just in terms of they were looking to keep more veteran players on that defensive line. And honestly, some of it was probably that Texas Tech didn't allow them to make as many substitutions right. as they wanted wanted to um they are when you get to that perspective i know doug belt mentioned strengths as strength and numbers is something that this uh defense is looking to take advantage of what do you see what do you expect to see against rice from that defensive line group i'm expecting the, the defensive um groups particularly the d line continue playing the way they play coming off the ball playing on high effort and really uh, wreaking havoc in obvious passing situations because they showed the ability to get to the quarterback whether it's Cedric Williams uh, Robert Parrish got to the quarterback DeAnthony Jones had two sacks and so they've shown they had a number of players who can get to the quarterback and he and like you said they play eight but he felt like they're 10 deep and I one of those players I've been hearing about is Alexander Duke who's going to be able to get some playing time and so when you have the depth and you have players that's not going to have any drop off when you make a substitution, Cedric Williams talked about it feels good because when you're tired, you don't mind subbing out because you know that somebody's going to hold down that spot just as good as you, if not better. Yeah, one player to watch on that defensive line is going to be Logan Hall, who Doug Belk said he could play whatever position on the defensive line, whether it's N tackle, whatever, they're comfortable with him playing each position up front. I know he didn't necessarily have you know, any eye-popping stats during the Saturday game against Texas Tech, but uh, what do you expect to see from Logan Hall against Rice? I saw his versatility. He played, um, Coach said he played him at DN because they had um, some extra bodies inside. And it, I, what I saw from him, I saw his ability to make plays. I just feel like he needs more set snaps to get into a rhythm. And then he will continue to flourish like he did towards the end of the season. And so I really like a lot. I like his 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 stature, the way he's built, his versatility. And the sky's the limit for him. I think as the season goes on, he's going to continue to play well. He only had three solo tackles looking at some of the numbers. But I just think with more snaps, you're going to get more production from Logan. One final position that I want to touch on before we go on break, 
Donovan Mutant talked a little bit about Deontay Anderson at that linebacker position. He he said that he felt that his play against Texas Tech was good, but not only that, he said what he really liked about having Anderson at linebacker is the way they communicated. Not only do they both, he feels like they both understand not only this defense really well, where each player, where they're supposed to go, but they're able to communicate and kind of bounce off each other, kind of know what needs to get done. Um, did that stand out to you when, when you heard uh, Donovan Mutant talk about Deontay Anderson that way? Yeah, that's just chemistry. If somebody is playing right alongside of you, then you want to be able to kind of think like each other, be one body. And so that's what Donovan basically said about Deontay. He's a smart – Deontay's a smart football player who's played a lot of football, has a lot of snaps, played at some of the highest levels. And so – I think he just ready to talk about more of that chemistry, how much he trusts him. And just like I said about Long and Hall, I think with more snaps at that linebacker position, I think uh, Deontay is going to flourish because he has the speed to move inside the box. He has the physicality. And so I think Donovan Mutant and Deontay Ender is going to make a, a nice linebacker tandem. And Coach Bill rotate a lot of guys in there as well as previous podcasts. We talked about some of the others, but I like the linebacker core as well. Yeah, Dan, one of the other things that I want to talk on, uh, I know I mentioned that Deontay Anderson would be the last thing we touched on before the break, but, you know, kind of the defensive backs that we haven't been able to touch on. But uh, Jace Rogers was the one of the players that they asked about about, uh, just in terms of, you know, against Texas Tech, he was a little bit of... I wouldn't say aggressive, but he had a couple of penalties called against him. And, you know, against Texas Tech, that's something that benefited benefited Tyler Shook and that offense. But when they asked him about it, Belk said, you know, it's kind of a balancing act of obviously pointing him in the right direction, but not overcoaching him to the point where you're kind of taking away his aggressiveness. Exactly. Um, You know, talk a little bit about that and what, you know, from the defensive back standpoint, we kind of mentioned it, how along and not just Rogers, but we mentioned Marcus Jones in terms of, and it was, some of it was just the, the personnel they have to guard against Texas Tech, their air raid style of offense and yep. the playmakers that they have. But some of it, like those penalties, is something that they could work on and cut back on. What do you expect to see from this unit in the upcoming game against Rice? I think the defensive line, the secondary is the strong suit. And so, People like Marcus Jones set the standard as far as effort play. I remember early in that game when he um, ran down easy and they he ended up knocking them out of bounds and they got the turnover that next play. Things like that set the standard for your captains and in the secondary. I, I like that they're aggressive and they play really well. They gave up um, some plays, but that's just going to happen in any game. But the secondary looked really well. Um, Demary Williams. Marcus Jones. Now, the safeties, I feel like they should have better play mm-hmm. from the safeties. Hassan Hippolyte only had one tackle. Uh, he had a missed tackle as well. I think he needs to set the tone as far as being an enforcer um, back there on that back end. But overall, the defense isn't the weak point of this team, and that's something we can't say or we haven't said in years past. For sure. We're going to come in right up on pod slam a jamma. We're going to transition a little bit over and talking about the offense. Uh, a lot of the talk this week after that Texas tech game has been on quarterback Clayton tune. We'll talk a little bit about that. And also from the other positions, not only a receiver, but offensive line, what they saw during that game against Texas tech coming right up on pod slam a jamma. Your home for UH athletics. 
Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. Continuing on on Pod Slamma Jamma, Dayan Dunlap and Indiana is here with another fire episode. And it was a lot of talk, just like you said, around Clayton Toon and his play has been consistent in a bad way. And so one question during availability I, I asked Keyshawn Carter was, what did he see from Clayton um, throughout the week after that game? Check out this clip here from the availability just a couple of days ago. What have you seen from Clayton Toon um, since after the game, just from a, a player perspective and a leader perspective with him being a captain? What, what have you seen from him after the game? Uh, just taking that next step. Letting that last game stay behind him and just keep moving forward, really. He's just been working on, like, the throws that we missed in the game. we just been working on those. So, this game, you're going to see a new result. This game, you will see a new result. Those are some strong words coming from uh, not necessarily your top receiver, but I know he's one of the playmakers that this Houston offense, at least coming into the season, was hoping would be a big playmaker, especially when it comes to the vertical passing game. But you know, not only you know, that's some strong feedback from the, his receiver there, but on Monday, Dana Horson flat out said, you know, Clayton Toon is a starter. He stood behind his quarterback. Um, besides having that reassurance, not only from his receiver, but from his head coach, what do you think about that strong comment? We're going to see a different Clayton Tune on Saturday. And also, do you feel like Tune should be feeling the pressure? Because, you know, Rice, you have the inner city rivalry, the, the Bayou Bucket. I mean, there's even a trophy involved. But besides all that, Houston is a team that should be favored right. to that, win it, and to win big against Rice. Right. This is a game that Houston fans expect to win. We care about the numbers and who's favorite. If you're a Houston fan and you've been around this program, you expect to beat Rice, and so it would be a big letdown if they do not do that. And just to piggyback back on his his comment, we have to see a different Clay too. I mean, that's not a bold statement because if we saw, if we see more of the same, I think um, Dan Hogan is going to be forced to pull him. Uh, I mean, especially against Rice. We talked about in the last episode. I think this is the game if they can potentially build a big lead and then you can see um, one of maybe a backup quarterback or if Clayton struggles, this is the game. I feel like you have enough talent around um, a different quarterback who you can kind of scheme up a win. And so this is a lot of pressure. I think Clayton's feeling the pressure before the season. He talked about feeling, having a sense of urgency and feeling a sense of urgency, not only from him, but throughout the entire team. And so this is a big game. This is, next couple games are important for Clayton because as soon as he throws one interception, the fans are going to be hard on him. Yeah. Like the media is going to be hard on him. And so it's going to be sure. tough. It's very, it's very, very important. You know, when you talk about two, and it's something we mentioned in the previous episode where coming from that offense, they're all saying the right things in terms of what you're supposed to say, like you know, Dana Hogerson immediately backed his quarterback and we're sticking with tune. Obviously. I mean, he flat out on Monday, he, he said that second interception, that was the pick six that led to the tying score um, at 21. Hogerson was like, yeah, that, that was a terrible interception. That was unacceptable. And then two and after the games talking about how, yeah, obviously it didn't go how we wanted to, but there's not much you can do. You got to put this behind it and immediately look forward. 
UH and the offense has done a great job of saying the right things. It comes to a point where at this point, what people are going to be looking for is accountability and for it to actually come out on the field. Like we mentioned before, Rice, um, not only an inner city rivalry, but like we said, the historically fans expect them to win. Honestly, like you mentioned, and then this will go beyond the Rice game, especially with the next two opponents, Grambling. But honestly, the next time Clayton Toon throws a pick, I wonder if he's going to be feeling that buzz, that pressure, that uh, I wouldn't even, it, you, there's no perfect word to describe it. But you know that the moment he does that, there'll be UH fans calling for one of the backups immediately. And that's something he's probably going to have to live through for the rest of the season as he remains quarterback one. And Dayon, just talking a little bit about that, that's serious pressure to have. Do you feel like that might, I think we're going to find out the next couple of weeks what Clayton Toon is made of mentally, because that's yep. a lot of pressure to carry in between your shoulders. Because you know, whether it's a fumble turnover, the next turnover he has, he'll be hearing that chatter maybe not physically on the field while he's playing in the game, but certainly after the game, and especially even after Saturday's game, I'm sure he's seen it all over social media. Right. And it's the saying that pressure either bust pipes or make diamonds. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we'll be able to see exactly how he responds. And we talked about in the last episode as well, losing the locker room. You don't want to lose the locker room because you're so stubborn and you want to stick with Clayton Toon as far as from a coaching staff perspective. But the pressure is real. He's going to have to turn around. He's going to have to stop turning over the football. Yeah, going in, you mentioned that Cedric Williams talked about how this was a must-win game for U of H. Sean Carter repeated that settlement. He called it a must-win game. Now, obviously, they kind of dialed it back saying the next game is always the most important game. But for U H, for where this program is, and all the noise with the Big 12, <clears throat> that's supposedly supposed to go on down sometime this week or in the coming days. You can't afford to be on the cusp of joining a Power 5 conference for the since the days of the Southwest Conference and mm-hmm. be going out there and losing to Rice and, you know, going beyond playing two. And honestly, this this is a must-win game for Dana Hogerson. Would you agree? Right. Well, you know, I agree 1,000%. It's a must-win for Dana Hogerson as well because if he loses to Rice and coming off a loss to Texas Tech, and like I talked about before, it's not a big win beating Texas Tech. Big wins is beating Oklahoma like they when they had Baker Mayfield. Those mm. are the type of big wins that we're accustomed to having, not beating Texas Tech when they're in the bottom yeah. bracket of the Big 12. And so losing to them the way they did and how we had a loss, and then if you piggyback and lose again to Rice, I think the pressure is on not only Clayton, but like you said, Dana Hogerson, I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. One, one clip that we're going to transition to from, from the offensive lineman, Cody Russi, talked a little bit about you know Saturday's game and, and what he saw from an offensive, offensive perspective. Here's Cody Russi, offensive lineman for the University of Houston Cougars. Uh, what's some of the positive takeaways um, from an offensive line perspective that you guys would carry from last week coming into this week? I think we picked up some of the blitz. They gave us some exotic stuff. Uh, you know, we – Got some conversions on fourth down, QB sneak. Uh, you know, we're, we're starting to gel together. we got a long ways to go, and I'll take a lot of it from last weekend with communication and stuff. But I feel like we just have to have a better game, the full all four quarters, and uh, we'll continue to keep on getting better. 
Once again, that was offensive lineman Cody Russi uh, talking about some of the positives from that Texas Tech, game, Texas Tech game. One of the other things he mentioned was he felt like they missed an opportunity last week. And obviously that first half, they showed glimpses of what could be a good offense before it just completely fell apart in the second half from an offensive line perspective day on. And we touched on it a little bit and Dana Hogerson said that the, the, that unit kind of struggled in terms of they didn't give a lot of time for Clayton Tune to be able to pass vertically is something that Dana Hogerson said it kind of limited their offense. But what did you see from the offensive line against Texas tech and from that answer from Rusty there, what do you expect? Against Rice. I mean, just the answer I think was honest. They need to continue to build that chemistry and communicate. And with him being a center, that's why he said he kind of takes his shoulder the load on that because he needs to do a better job communicating among the offensive line. And mm-hmm. I think they played well enough for Clayton to make plays. Throwing into triple coverage, double coverage uh, doesn't well. Sometimes it can if you're under pressure. Um, have something to do with the O-line. But I feel like they play well. Can they play better? Yes. And I, I think they will. They just need to continue to gel, continue to have game time experience together because it's a huge transfer. So this group hasn't had a lot of game action together. Yeah, for sure. And even going back to Saturday, I asked Clayton Toon just in terms of them not being able to get anything vertically going. He said some of it had to do with the Texas Tech defense. There were uh, the one thing that stood out to me was Clayton Toon saying they made it seem uh, tempting for UH that they would be able to run the ball. And when they would hand it off, they would collapse immediately. And UH wasn't getting any yardage from that. But then yeah. you know, when you when you try to change it and try to see if they can pass it vertically, going to what Dana Hogerson said, he just felt like Texas Tech is defense. And when you hear the comments, it kind of seemed like they bamboozled them a little bit. Rusty yeah, said it himself. They like gave he him- was unprepared or he saw some things that he didn't see or they was able to disguise some blitzes and coverages and things like that. But that's how it's going to be. And for someone who played the amount of snaps, we expect Clayton to be able to read those coverages or from an offensive perspective, look into the sideline, getting some of those audibles or him making those audibles. And so overall, I think the offense just needs to continue to gel as well and play better. And I I think you got to have better play calling. If Clayton um, can't, isn't throwing the ball well, he needs some quick completions, roll them out. He's an athletic quarterback with some run pass option. And so – I think it's a lot of factors offensively um, that that we need to see from them if they want to turn it around and play a full game because they play it all right in the first half. Mm-hmm. Real quickly, before we transition over to our final segment, talking more specifically about Rice, uh, when we're talking about the offense in general, obviously a good, better performance will be at <laughs> be able to get more than 53 total yards in the second half and score more than zero points. So the bar is low for this offense when it comes to second half. But honestly, what I'm looking forward and trying to see if UH can do this is establish a run, establish a kind of control of the game. We mentioned uh, the defense said that, and we're going to get into this in the next segment, but the defense's goal in, in this upcoming game against Rice is going to be to kind of set the tone of the game and show that they're a more, more physical team, that they're a more dominant team. That's something I feel like this offense unit and a start with the O-line needs to do establish a run game, get a good kind of cushion for Clayton Tune and kind of take some of that pressure off of him, be able to set up some of the play actions and stuff like that. I think that's going to be key in this game against Rice. Dayon, what say you? I agree. I agree with you 100%. 
And coming up in that next segment, some things I want to talk about with Rice, particularly some of the numbers they gave up in their run game and how um, Houston, so particularly maybe stick more with the run game, have a plethora of running backs that can get the job done. So I feel like that uh, the running game is going to be very, very vital. And coming right up on Pod Slamma Jamma, we'll talk more about the specific matchup against the Rice Owls. Talk a little bit about some keys to the game, what UH needs to do to see a lot more success against the Owls than they did against Texas Tech. Coming right up on Pod Slamma Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on here on Pod Slamma Jamma, Dayan Dunlap and Andy Yanez. And the next matchup against Rice. So here in our last day, we want to preview what we expect to see from Rice. And they played two quarterbacks, something that you don't really see a lot. But mm-hmm. one of their quarterbacks, Willie Green, did most of the passing. And he passed for 132 yards. But one of the numbers that stick out to me is he threw three interceptions. And causing those turnovers is something Houston, they caused the fumble, and they were able to do that against Tech. But I think that's to be a point of emphasis is trying to turn over this Rice football team. Yeah, you mentioned it, the, the two quarterback duo of Willie Green and Luke McCaffrey. Um, Green threw, had most of the pass attempts. He also had three picks, which is, uh, I mean, just one off from two. And so it'll be interesting to see how he's kind of has to come off from that performance and shake that off a bit. But I know something that Doug Belt talked about when, when you're talking about these quarterbacks, he said that they're, they're kind of similar in the way they play, obviously, um, he said that Green is the one with the more experienced quarterback. Who well, he said he has command of the offense, but he said that both of these quarterbacks have a big arm. Uh, McCaffrey's a little bit more athletic than Green, yeah. but he expects to see both of those guys a lot again on Saturday and that they provide various types of challenges, both in the ground game and obviously passing the ball. Um, when it comes to a team that has two quarterbacks, UH saw this a little bit last season early on in the first game against Tulane where they played two quarterbacks. Um, how inter- how challenging is it whenever you're not necessarily game planning, game planning for one specific person? I think it could be difficult, especially when they have different skill sets. And like you just said, Green being more of a traditional job back passer and has some athleticism, but McCaffrey being more athletic and more is more with their running the football. And so I think it's it's tough a little bit because you have to prepare for two different styles, two different packages. And so it's something the defense will have to continue to adjust on. And from Rice, it, it's something for them as well, because some people say if you don't have one quarterback or if two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And so, so with that being said, I think they're still figuring out their offense. But just looking to some of the numbers and what they gave up, they gave up 264 rushing yards. Arkansas had two running, two players who go over 100 yards. And the last segment, we just talked about Houston sticking more to the run. I think this is the time to do that. Get mobile car going, get Tajon Henry and um, McGaskill, all them guys going. But I think you have to give mobile car uh, carries. Uh, get him going, get 20 carries. I think he can at least touch that 90 to 100 yard mark. But 
I think this is the game where they try to flex their most in the offensive line can come off the ball and hit someone in the mouth versus dropping back to pass. Right, for sure. And it's interesting. Uh, Mobile car had 13 carries against Texas Tech, was only able to produce 41 yards from it. Rice in a similar boat where their lead back, Kalen Griffin, also had 13 carries. He did worse. He only had 36 yards to show for it. So, Honestly, these two teams are kind of coming in similar positions, even just the way their game against Arkansas went, where they were within one score for uh, about all the way into halfway into the fourth quarter before Arkansas was able to blow that game open. I know that's something that Cedric Williams mentioned. Um, And when you I mentioned the spread earlier, it's kind of interesting where. Honestly, I've seen some people just outright pick Bryce to defeat Houston on Saturday, but most yeah. of those lines are within 10 points. I know one of them I saw was about eight and a half the spread. Just looking at that, uh, coming off the performance against Texas Tech and just seeing the noise and going back to this noise, I think a lot of a lot of players, a lot of coaches are feeling pressure that this this is a big game upcoming on Saturday. Definitely a, a big game. And Coach Doug Belk, we have another clip from him where he talked about the type of start he wanted to get off as far as his defense. Let me check it out. Get to a certain level to where you guys play. What do you feel is the next level um, for you guys to get to next week? Um, we got to be able to set the tone and dominate on defense. Um, that's our goal every week. Um, we had two runs pop for 85 yards, um, and we had uh, four explosive passes for um, almost 150 yards. So, um, eliminating those explosive plays, um, playing sound football, and we can't get tired of being detailed and we can't get tired of doing things right each and every play because each and every play is different. Um, and, and, and it's a it's a new chapter every play. So um, last week it was 57 plays in the game on defense and we played, um, you know, those, those six explosive plays were, were the story of the game. And then we got to be continue to develop um, in situational football, under the, understanding the situation that we're in, um, I'm proud of our guys. The way they competed, effort was not an issue. We played hard. Um, we got to tackle better. Uh, we had 13 missed tackles. Um, seven or seven of the 13 were on two plays. Um, so you know the way we pursue the ball, the effort that we play with. Uh, one thing that we caught, what did we talk about a lot, is we had high effort to the ball, but we got to make sure we take the right pursuit angles and be smart in our pursuit. Um, and, and and that hurt us twice. So all those things that we that we talking about, just the, the way that we play and we want to be that we want to be physical and play more effort than our opponents. And um, for the most part, we did that. But we got to raise the level of intensity and mental focus to be able to finish the game. I don't know about you, Andy, but the defense kind of plays like he talks from what we saw in week one, just from that aggressive, um, that setting the tone and being physical standpoint. What did you think um, from Coach Doug Bell's comments? Yeah, I think it ties in perfectly with you know the way uh, a couple of the players talked about, and even that what we mentioned earlier, where you, when you look at the defense for most of the game, they played well against Texas Tech, but on the possessions, on those plays where they had breakdowns, they were huge. I mean, you mentioned on one play they they accounted for seven of the thirteen missed tackles they had for the entire night. I think that's something that they have to obviously polish a lot more when it comes to rice. But honestly, we mentioned one of the keys. I think one of them will be establishing the run game for the offense. I think the second will be, like I mentioned, what Doug Belk said, the goal is impose your will on this rice offense. They're not necessarily any, um, 
you know, juggernaut offense either. They're having their issues. It, they couldn't run the ball against Arkansas. They had a lot of turnovers as well. I think early on this defense will kind of be able to set the tone if they can get an early turnover. That's something they weren't able to do. They really struggled with last season. And even against Texas Tech, they weren't really able to do besides that um, the fumble they had early on. They struggled to stop, to get takeaways against Texas Tech. If they're able to get... You know, a couple of takeaways, that's something that it, it'll build, especially at least when you look at a defensive perspective, if they can gel more and build that confidence heading into conference play, I think it'll be really good for this UH team, regardless of what the offense does to show. All right. You know, maybe, in fact, maybe it even makes Dana Horson more um, open to the idea of putting in another guy if Clayton Toon continues to struggle or someone else for a spark, the offense cont- continues to struggle to, you know what, I got a really good defense. It gives me more leeway to try out something else. What say you? And what better opportunity doing that in your next couple of games against Rice or maybe even Grambling? If Rice just played a formal opponent in Arkansas, who's in the SEC, the toughest college football conference, and so – for they have some big boys up front, so I'm not surprised they were able to run the ball and kind of control the line of the scrimmage like they did. But they're in the SEC, so they expect it to do that. And I mean, I'm assuming Rice, that's a good opponent for them week mm-hmm. one. So it's going to be a tough task, but I think we can duplicate that. But it, I, I can't wait to see the game and see if we can see a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing that um... – one thing that was said by Donovan Newton during his availability was he's talking about Rice. They're a disciplined team, he said. He said they're well-coached and they play hard the entire game. That's something, once again, going back to – it was a one-score game against Arkansas. You mentioned an SEC opponent. And one of the things that – they're kind of a run-first team, too. We mentioned when they have two quarterbacks, they kind of – you know, you kind of look at it as an offensive struggle with the, you're playing more than one quarterback. Um I think if they can make them one-dimensional, you can cut off that run game, which is something they did good for the first half of last season. I think, obviously, it'll end up going good for the team, but that'll be a way to kind of put this game out of reach early if the offense can produce. Now, of course, that's a big if coming after Saturday's game. Offense has to produce. I think they will. I think it's more important to get off to a good start because they played Houston last year. And so I think just having a good script – like Daniel Hogerson had to start the game. I think he's going to need to do that again against Rice, build some confidence early, and then just let your, let your guys play. I know our eyes will be on Clayton Toon. My eyes will be on Clayton Toon. And we just want to see because when Houston has had really good quarterback play, they've been really good teams. And going into the Big 12, it's important as far as the trajectory of the football team needs to be going in the right direction as we um, – Houston – seems like potentially most likely they're going to be moving to the big 12. Yeah. Going back to one more thing I want to mention on the offensive side of the ball, Sean Carter mentioned how he wants the ball in his hands more. He said he feels that if he has the ball in his hands, he can make more plays and you know, kind of thinking about it. Obviously one of the factors that UH would be looking at, they can get more of an offensive game, but something they really struggled against Texas tech was even getting any screens or any of the short passing game going. Texas tech did a really good job of coming up, making the tackles against rice, uh, obviously a much different opponent. Do you, do you feel like the offense should be aggressive and try to move the ball vertically or try to establish, I mentioned the run, but even in the passing game, kind of be more of a short pass, try to set screens and try to get Clayton tuned going that way. Which way, which approach would you take? 
Just take what the defense gives you. I would try to establish the run. That way you can get some play action to move those linebackers, potentially move the secondary. And then you could take some of those deep shots coming off of the run game. I think it starts with the run game. I don't think you just come out aggressive per se and try to attack them downfield unless you have some favorable matchups and then you can do that. But my approach, I think, would be take what the defense gives you. Start with the running game, getting Clayton tuned, some early completions, whether it be those screen passes like you just mentioned or some short routes. That way he can kind of build his confidence and get his, bring his, uh, get his momentum going in the game. For sure. And before we wrap it up, Dayon, uh, a couple of keys I've mentioned, what my key, what, what do you see? What in order for UH to win and not only win, you know what, in order for them to win handedly, what do you need to see from either on the defense or on the offense? I think uh, it's going to be the defense with the defense playing like they played. I think the defense is, is going to have to set the tone, whether it be getting the three and out, getting a turnover, just getting that momentum early into the offense. So you can get a takeaway and that breeds momentum for your football team. And so I, I'm, I'm looking for the defense to maybe get a quick three and out, get some good field position, let Marcus Jones potentially get his hands on it. He really was a non-factor in the kick and return game last week because Texas Tech did a good job of um, punting him towards the sideline, keeping him out in the middle of the field. And so, the defense can uh, put together a strong start to the game, three and out, get the offense some momentum in a favorable situations. I think that's what we're going to have to look forward to coming up against Rice. What about you? Yeah, I agree totally. Um, and like I mentioned, I feel like this defense, you look at teams that are going to, it's going to be a unit that's going to have to probably carry a lot of the load, especially once they get into conference games. But yeah, you know, it just goes back to the offense for me. I just got to – I'm going to be glued to see how the offense responds and specifically how Clayton Toon responds with what I'd imagine it's got to be a lot of pressure to, at the very least, block out the noise and just go out there. And I guess, obviously, the first one would be to not turn the ball over, but just get some positive momentum, even if it's – I mean, and you think back to that first half and how well they moved that ball on the first two drives. They had a long – they had a, a – over an eight minute drive for their first play, the first full possession of the game, come back, do the onside kick and have another five, six minute drive. And both of them, they punch it into the end zone. And then really outside of that, they couldn't be, they weren't able to manage to do anything besides uh, the last drive in the first half. I think, like I said, they shown flashes of, what they can do, and, and this just goes back to the talk that we had the entire offseason. It's just consistency, man. And I'm just curious to see what Clayton Toon does with a lot more pressure. You mentioned that there was a lot of urgency heading into the season. There's a lot more. There's probably, you know, all the fire sirens are ringing inside that building, at least for the offense, and it's ticking. Um, and that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode one. A couple of notes uh, from UH Athletics in general that I did want to mention before we um, finish this episode. Obviously, we've kind of touched on it. The Big 12 expected, and this is all reported, it's expected that Big 12 presidents, uh, Big 12, eight of the Big 12 president schools, obviously not excluding UT and OU at the moment, are expected to vote on adding four schools, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and of course, Houston to the Big 12. Reportedly, that is expected to happen. I've heard as early as Thursday, possibly Friday. Friday seems to be that main day, but again, it's all reports. And it, UC, um, Cincinnati and UCF have already uh, have already um, 
given their notice to the Big 12 that they'd like to um, apply and try to get into the conference, BYU and Houston, the other two, obviously Houston had the Board of Regents meeting earlier in the week where they gave that power to Renew Couture to be able to not only request admission to the Big 12, but also notify the American Athletic Conference of their intention to leave. The other note I did want to add, uh, former UH guard, Switching over to the hardwood, former UH guard Nate Hinton signed a Exhibit 10 deal with the Indiana Pacers. Dayon, any comments on either of those two things before we sign off? Yeah, uh, reigniting with Rick Carlisle, who yeah. was coaching Dallas when they um, ended up signing, and now he's the head coach in Indiana. So there's some familiarity there. And also he's reuniting with Dejan Giroux. And so I think um, Coach Rick Carlisle, kind of seeing what Nate can bring as far as his energy, his defense, and the tangible things. And you got two players who are culture setters because they come from a program like Houston under Kelvin Sampson when it's all about And um, I, I, I like the move for Indiana. Yeah, obviously an Exhibit 10 deal, a bit of a, um, a non-guaranteed deal where it could have been convert, converted into a two-way contract before the start of the regular season. Certainly be keeping our eyes in Indiana. And that makes four current Cougars or former Cougars in the NBA, obviously Quentin Grimes in New York and Armani Brooks signed a similar deal, but that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to follow Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more. Original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. And a uh, quick point before we go, now that you mentioned that it's 16 from uh, Houston Cougars are in the NFL, and the NFL is getting ready to start back up well. So right. we're programmed yeah. getting players on that professional level. Yeah, I'd be curious to see Peyton Turner for the Saints, the most recent uh, number one pick for the program. Uh, not on number one overall first round pick, but yeah, a lot of pros, former Cougars in the pros in either level, the NBA and NFL. But as always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pod Slam and Jamma. Like Dayon mentioned, be sure to follow Apollo Media at Apollo HOU for blogs. Uh, we're going to have a couple of articles leading up to the game uh, against Rice and also coverage throughout the game and also be sure to check out our fallout podcast episode following the game between UH and rice you don't want to miss it pod slam a jam follow us on twitter like you see it in the podcast description and day on before we sign off this is news it's kind of a bit breaking news but big 12 presidents are scheduled to meet on friday to formally vote on the expansion of UCF Cincinnati and BYU in Houston. That is according to Yahoo sports reporter, Pete Thamel. That's literally breaking just uh, within the hour. So it certainly looks like the big, by the time Houston kicks off against Rice, they should have a good idea of what their future will be with the big 12, but that will be sure to stay with us. It just goes to show it's a lot of turmoil right now. But once again, Apollo Media, as always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pod Slam and Jamma covering your University of Houston Cougars. As always, go Cougs.